0: This is from a January 22nd Facebook post by Michael S. Heiser. As you all know, when I pass, I will join the family of God and his Council, to which all of us as believers presently belong, but not yet in its fullness. This is what awaits me, and I am glad. We will see each other in the future in unimaginably glorious ways. Welcome to episode 70 of the Rethinking Scripture podcast. I'm Greg Hall, and in this episode, we are taking a moment to memorialize the passing of a theologian and a scholar, Dr. Michael S. Heiser. In 2020, Heiser was diagnosed with an aggressive case of pancreatic cancer. On February 15th of this year, he turned 60, and five days later, He transitioned to experience the unseen realm he wrote so much about. Some of you may not be familiar with who Michael Heiser is, and that's what today is going to be all about. So let me just introduce you to him as best I can. Michael was a Christian author and biblical Old Testament scholar whose area of expertise was the nature of the unseen spiritual realm. Specifically, the ancient Near Eastern worldview of the Divine Council and the Spiritual Order's hierarchy. For a large part of his academic career, he was a scholar-in-residence at the Faithlife Corporation. That's the maker of the Logos Bible software that he used and I use as well. He was there until 2019. He had his own podcast, The Naked Bible, which we'll talk about today, and a nonprofit ministry called McLot that is dedicated to the creation and distribution of his content. Heiser very graciously continued his craft until almost the very end. His last episode of the podcast was January 7th. I personally only had very brief interactions with Dr. Heiser, one was back in November of 2011 when I was in Bellingham, Washington for a Logos Bible software training. And interestingly, that training was led by a man by the name of Morris Proctor, who lost a very short battle with cancer on January 23rd of this year, just four weeks before Heiser's passing. While in Bellingham, taking that class from Morris Proctor, I was able to take a tour of the Logos headquarters. And it was on that tour That I met Dr. Heiser. I recognized him because he had recorded a set of videos that I had already purchased to help in my study of biblical Hebrew. And he was just passing us in the hallway, and we said hello to each other, and that was it. Very uneventful. That encounter was a full four years before he really hit his stride and became well known within. Popular biblical scholarship. So why are we talking about Michael Heiser on today's podcast? It's mostly because Dr. Heiser's work, his biblical scholarship, and the way he presented that has greatly influenced my own biblical scholarship and the way that I present some of the things that I have found within the biblical text. So I mentioned he had a podcast, The Naked Bible, All those episodes are still available to listen to. I imagine they will be for quite some time. That podcast began in January of 2015. His last episode was January 7th, like I said, 2023. So that's eight years, eight years of podcasting. And in that eight years, he produced 458 episodes. That's just over 57 episodes every year. For eight years. So just personally, I'm on a 42 episodes per year pace in my first uh, almost two years coming up here in a few months. So he consistently did 15 a year more than I'm doing. And they were consistently twice as long as the episodes that I've been able to produce. In addition to that, during that same time, it's not like that's the only thing he was doing. <laughs> He came out with a number of books that he has become well known for. Number one on that list is going to be a book called The Unseen Realm Recovering the Supernatural Worldview of the Bible. That was published in 2015. And at the same time, in the same year, the book Supernatural What the Bible Teaches About the Unseen World and Why It Matters, which is kind of a less academic version of The Unseen Realm, those both came out in 2015. So Heiser was well-respected before these books came out, but it was these two books that got him into the popular realm of the church world. He often was presenting and writing for not the academic world, but for the church world, those that find themselves sitting in the congregation. Well, he followed those two books up in 2017 with Reversing Herman with a subtitle of Enoch, The Watchers, and the Forgotten Mission of Jesus Christ. In 2017, he also came out with Angels, what the Bible really says about God's heavenly hosts. And the long-awaited Demons book came out in 2020. And I say long-awaited just because he constantly talked on his podcast about how that book had been finished for quite some time. But the publisher wanted a book he had written about the Netflix show, Stranger Things. The publisher wanted that book out first, so the Demon's book (laughs) took the back seat. So during these eight years of podcasting, not only was he performing at a very high level in the podcasting realm, he's also producing some pretty deep and theological research-based books about the unseen realm. In the middle of this, he also moved cross country from Bellingham in 2019 to Jacksonville, Florida for a different job where he started a theology school. And so as I look at Dr. Heiser's work, I often just think to myself, how in the world does somebody produce that much content? And because I can't really answer that question very well, (laughs) I don't know the answer to that question. The best I can do is I've actually taken just a few of the things that he has done and tried to incorporate them into my ministry. So what are those things? I've got a list of five things that I've copied from Michael Heiser, and here they are. Number one, in no particular order, by the way. Number one would be using other people's work as source material for podcast episodes. If you've been listening to Rethinking Scripture podcast at all, you know that I often find a document that I will interact with on the episode. Uh, Most of that is just because my knowledge uh, quickly escapes. (laughs) It would only fill about 10 minutes of most podcasts. But when I'm able to go into journal articles and understand what others have said about certain topics, I'm able to bring those ideas in. And Dr. Heiser was the king at using other people's work. We'll have a few examples in the top five list of episodes at the end of the podcast here. Number two, Dr. Heiser often worked through books of the Bible on his podcast, and that was kind of the format that I took when I started mine. First, we went through the book of John, and then we hopped into the book of Acts, which we just finished at the beginning of this year. And not that that's an uncommon format, but I got that, and I decided to go that direction because of Michael Heiser. Moving on, number three on the list, he had some topical episodes, and I have done the same, kind of mixed in, where instead of just all the time working through books of the Bible, he would tackle certain topics. Number four on the list of things I've copied from Michael Heiser, interpreting the Bible thematically. This is also kind of the way that The Bible Project approaches Scripture, But Heiser did a really good job of going back into the Old Testament and seeing themes that were created and presented early in the biblical texts and being able to present biblical theologies that follow those threads. And the last technique that I borrowed from Michael Heiser is just this idea that sometimes the answers to our biblical conundrums are available within the biblical text, But sometimes we need to go outside the text for cultural and contextual help. There's that familiar mantra that most people (laughs) that spend any time in the church know. It's that the Bible says it, I believe it, and that settles it. That mantra, according to the way Heiser did his podcast, and I like to think the way I do mine, that mantra should really be rephrased to say something more like, The Bible says it. (laughs) I'm confused by it. Perhaps I'm missing something, and maybe the ancient Near Eastern cultural context can give me some insights into the problem, period. (laughs) Well, that's a little harder to remember, number one, but I believe it's closer to the truth of the actual situations that we find when we go to the biblical text and we're just befuddled at what we find there. All that said, within church culture, there's sometimes this attitude that if it's not in the Bible, then it's not truth. And I think that's a dangerous place to be because the Bible does contain truth, but it doesn't contain all truth. And in interpreting the Bible, especially the ancient Near Eastern context that the Bible was originally written to, holds clues to how to interpret the truth that is within the Bible. That's the basis for the book I've just written, Rethinking Rest, an ancient Near Eastern understanding of a concept that doesn't necessarily translate well into our modern society without some extra biblical help. So those are just five ways that I've borrowed from Heiser's mode of presenting information that he has been studying for years. And to just continue my introduction of Michael Heiser to you, some of the books that he's gone through in his podcast that you can look up and listen to, and these are in the order that he actually went through them. He started with the book of Acts, and then he went through Leviticus, and Ezekiel, and Hebrews, and Colossians, and the book of Exodus, And the book of Revelation, that was a big one. And Jude, and most recently he was working his way through 1 Samuel. And he got through chapter 14, and that was that last episode on January 7th. He also hit some topics along the way, and I didn't write them all down, but just a taste of what he's covered in some of his episodes. He talked about Paul's use of the Old Testament, so very interesting did a whole series on Melchizedek, talked about divorce and remarriage, and probably some of my favorite episodes. And he did fifty-seven of these, were his question and answer episodes. So that a little bit about Michael Heiser. Let's get into this divine council worldview that he has popularized uh, more recently here in the last few years. The divine council worldview is a theological perspective that Heiser developed through his study of the Old Testament and ancient Near Eastern culture and literature. Heiser argued that the God of the Bible is not alone, but rather is the head of a council of divine beings who serve as his heavenly court. These divine beings are referred to in the Hebrew Bible sometimes as sons of God and sometimes just as gods, lowercase g. The Hebrew word behind that gods is Elohim. And according to Heiser, the divine council was a very common concept in the ancient Near Eastern world. And the biblical authors assumed that their readers would have been familiar with it. He suggests that references to the divine council can be found throughout the Old Testament, including the creation account in the Psalms and in the prophecies of Isaiah and Ezekiel specifically. And the point that Heiser made was that this divine council serves as a sort of framework for understanding that unseen realm. And it also gives a framework for understanding the role of Jesus Christ in the salvation of humanity. So overall, Heiser's Divine Council worldview offers a very unique perspective on the spiritual realm and the biblical narrative. And it's gained quite a following (laughs) among scholars and Lay people alike. Now, I would be remiss to say that just everybody has accepted his views wholeheartedly, because that's not the case. Not everybody accepts Heiser's Divine Council worldview as the correct way to understand actual reality. And because this worldview is a relatively recent theological concept, it has not been universally accepted by scholarship or I would even say the wider Christian community. So some critics have argued that Heiser read too much into certain passages of the Old Testament and maybe that his interpretation of the divine council as a group of divine beings with distinct personalities and roles isn't really supported by the biblical text. Others have suggested that the concept of a divine council may have been a common idea in the ancient Near East, so they don't really argue with him that it was a worldview back then. They would agree with that part, and that it was thought to be true by maybe even some of the authors of the biblical text. They'll even concede on that point. But they would challenge him on the point that it's not presented as central to the biblical worldview. And Therefore, doesn't require believers today to hold to a similar understanding of that reality of the unseen realm. And the only reason I mention this is because these are some of the questions I still have about some of the work that he's done. I think Heiser did a great job of presenting what the biblical worldview was in ancient times, in an ancient context, letting us know what the biblical authors were thinking. Uh, Many of our arguments that we get into over how to read chapter 1 of Genesis are on this same topic. Should we be viewing the world and the cosmos the same way they did in ancient times, or through science and other means, do we now know more than they did, and should we correct our worldview accordingly? Well, these types of questions are also in and around Heiser's unseen realm, ancient worldview. And while Heiser's Divine Council worldview has gained a following among some scholars and laypeople, it does remain a controversial and debated topic within biblical studies and theology. Ultimately, I think the acceptance or rejection of this worldview really depends on one's own interpretation of the relevant biblical texts and then again how that fits into the wider theological framework within which those texts are understood. So in the remainder of this episode, I would like to take you through and introduce you to the top five episodes of the 450 some odd episodes that he completed, which ones made the top five list for me. I'm going to introduce you briefly to them. I'm going to give you links in the show notes, and I would just encourage you to go and become well acquainted with the work of Michael Heiser. So top five episodes. The first two are not going to be spectacular in and of themselves, but they're going to be foundational for the way Heiser did his episodes. And since we've talked so much already about his worldview, his divine counsel and all of that, the first episode that I would suggest you go to is a more recent one, episode 434. It's part three of the Epistle of Jude. And before we get into the context, just a note, the first seven minutes are a lot of fluff. (laughs) And the more you listen to him, he'll usually have uh, a few minutes of fluff just talking to his co-host. In this case, near the end of his life, Lagos Bible Software was sponsoring his podcast, I think, to help with some of the medical bills. And so the first four some odd minutes are kind of a Lagos Bible Software commercial, which I would suggest, if you're not familiar with Lagos, that you would go ahead and listen to because Logos has changed the way I study the Bible. I didn't get that from Heiser directly, but Heiser worked for the organization, wrote several of the resources that I use within Logos as well. You will notice in these later podcasts as well that his voice is hoarse, uh, mostly from the cancer treatments. And it's in this episode, number 434, the Epistle of Jude, part 3. This is a great example of how the stories from the Book of First Enoch how they're closely related to some parts of the biblical text. It talks about the watchers known as the sons of God from Genesis chapter 6 and the angels that sinned. So, let me just read the biblical text that he covers in this episode and then I'll not go into a whole lot more detail. This from Jude verses five through eight. Now, I desire to remind you, though you know all things once for all, that the Lord, after saving a people out of the land of Egypt, subsequently destroyed those who did not believe and angels who did not keep their own domain, but abandoned their proper abode. He has kept in eternal bonds under darkness for the judgment of the great day. Just as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities around them, since they, in the same way as these, indulged in gross immorality and went after strange flesh, are exhibited as an example in undergoing the punishment of eternal fire. Yet, verse 8, in the same way, these men also by dreaming defile the flesh and reject authority and revile angelic majesties. So, breaking away from Jude, if you if you fully understood the passage I just read, no need to go <laughs> and listen to that podcast. My guess is though that that type of passage that we find in the biblical text just brings up a whole lot of other questions about what in the world's going on. And if that's where you find yourself, episode 434, the epistle of Jude part 3 is going to give you a great introduction to the worldview that made Michael Heiser famous. Number four podcast episode of the Naked Bible Podcast that I've got on my list today is episode number 103. So it was an earlier one, and it's titled Moses and the Bronze Serpent. Is an hour and 13 minutes long. Most of us are familiar with a particular Bible passage in the third chapter of John. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Now, I spent some time discussing John 3 way back in episode 6 of my podcast, but I didn't discuss 95% of what Heiser talks about in his podcast. The key that ties us both together, though, is that understanding verses 14 and 15 in John chapter 3 is critical to understand 3.16. And what does 14 and 15 say? As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, so that whoever believes will in him have eternal life. For in this way, God so loved the world. And it's this episode that is just another solid example of how Heiser approached and then relentlessly pursued the biblical text. So you may have heard how Moses lifted up a bronze serpent in the wilderness, and we just read out of John chapter 3. That's probably your connection to that idea. But you may be totally unaware where that story is in the Old Testament. And you might also assume that this probably has something to do with the serpent imagery from the Garden of Eden. If that describes you, then you need to spend an hour and 13 minutes of your life getting all of these things straightened out. And it's Michael Heiser's episode number 103 that will help you do that. Moving on down the list. Now we're getting in, in the top three, we're really getting into stuff you can't miss. These are topics that are going to be somewhat familiar to you, but then they're going to take a left-hand turn, and they're going to take you into a part of Bible Town that you've never visited before. And you're going to think, what in the world is going on, and where has my Bible gone? Number three on my most popular episodes of the Naked Bible Podcast is episode 138, What Day Was Jesus Born? This one is an hour and 40 minutes long. And it's not only because there's a lot to cover, but this also was such a big topic that he blogged on it. I'm gonna be reading a little bit out of his blog. And he also incorporated this idea into a whole chapter, chapter number four of his reversing Herman book. So from the blog entitled, September 11th, Happy Birthday to Jesus. Heiser says this: Many readers will know that I believe the actual birth date of Jesus was September 11th 3 BC. This isn't based on any original research of my own, rather it's based on the work of EL Martins, The Star That Astonished the World. Most academics are unaware of Martin's research because he wasn't a member of the Biblical Studies Guild. Others rejected out of hand because of Martin's involvement with the old Worldwide Church of God. But Heiser says this, the quality of one's research, however, doesn't depend on having a Ph.D. in biblical studies or whether one is doctrinally correct in all areas. He says, I don't buy Martin's views on other things, but I find his work on the birth of the Messiah persuasive. Later in his blog post, he says, As noted, most academics have no inkling about Martin's work or its basis. In briefest terms, Martin considers Revelation 12:1 through 7, to describe the actual celestial events of the birth of the Messiah, which that birth is actually part of the context of Revelation 12:1 through 7. Most New Testament scholars don't consider Revelation 12 as astral prophecy. Martin's thesis has, of course, been critiqued in some detail. There are problems, but none of them are insurmountable and can be rebutted with good evidence. This reality, along with the comprehensive explanatory power of Martin's work, as well as the date's remarkable synchronicity with Jewish messianic symbolism and their calendar make Martin's work persuasive to me. And stepping away from his blog post, if that didn't whet your appetite, then you should probably skip this episode. Another reason I like Michael Heiser's work is his willingness to describe the modern-day abuse that the book of Revelation receives from self-proclaimed prophets. And it's this episode that deals with Revelation chapter 12. So it's on topic. In his blog post, he says this, another abuse comes from folks out there who are using the celestial signs of Revelation 12 to predict that the rapture and the tribulation are going to happen on September 23rd, 2017. That blog post was written before that date. He says, I'm not a prophet nor the son of a prophet." but I'm going to predict something. This won't happen. This is a false prophecy, which obviously he was right on that one. Mike continues, I'm not going to be chummy towards people who abuse scripture after the fact, like saying certain passages predicted the fall of, let's say, the Twin Towers or the American financial collapse or fill in the blank with a modern event. He says, sorry, but America isn't the focus of biblical prophecy. I don't care what code language that they've figured out or had channeled to them by some special revelation. Ignore these people. Their exegesis is awful. And whether you agree with him or not on that point, I believe the way Mike was able to be candid with what he believed and to be somewhat gracious in the way he did it is commendable. So, episode 138, What Day Was Jesus Born? If you're at all curious why September 11th of 3 BC is more than just a likely candidate for the birth of Jesus, you need to listen to this podcast episode. Moving on to number two on the list, we have episode 159. This one's titled Noah's Nakedness, The Sin of Ham, and The Curse of Canaan. 48 minutes long. And let me just give a little heads up here. These last two episodes do have a bit of sexual content and I'll be using some words to describe genitalia just in talking about the episodes. So if that's uncomfortable, uh, let's hide the kids. It's in episode 159 about Noah's nakedness. That, again, is a great example of Heiser using someone else's work. He relies solely on a journal article out of the Journal of Biblical Literature by two men, Bergsma and Walker, to help unpack a situation that the Bible presents that we have been befuddled as to how to read it. Let me just start by reading Genesis 9, 20 through 27. It says this, Then Noah began farming... And planted a vineyard. He drank of the wine and became drunk and uncovered himself inside his tent. Ham, the father of Canaan, saw the nakedness of his father and told his two brothers outside. But Shem and Japheth took a garment and laid it upon both their shoulders and walked backwards and covered the nakedness of their father. And their faces were turned away, so that they did not see their father's nakedness. When Noah awoke from his wine, he knew what the youngest son had done to him. So he said, Cursed be Canaan, a servant of servants he shall be to his brothers. He also said, Blessed be the Lord, the God of Shem, and let Canaan be his servant. May God enlarge Japheth, and let him dwell. In the tents of Shem, and let Canaan be his servant. So, if this is your first exposure to the nakedness of Noah, (laughs) I apologize. But it's right there in the biblical text, chapter nine of Genesis. And this is one that has befuddled people for a long time. Lots of different ideas about what could be happening here. And I believe that the journal article that Michael Heiser interacts with. And the way that Heiser presents it answers a lot of questions. Here's just a little bit from the beginning of the article by Bergsma and Walker. They say this, The compressed, elusive nature of Genesis 9, 20 through 27 has been an exegetical puzzle since antiquity. The terseness of the account, with its inexplicable features and subtle hints of sexual transgression, Has left generations of readers and scholars feeling that there is more to the story than the narrative has made explicit. As many have pointed out, the interpretive debates generally revolve around two interrelated questions. Number one, the nature of Ham's offense. In other words, why would Ham's seeing Noah's nakedness merit a curse? And number two, the rationale for Canaan's punishment, which is Ham's son. If Ham was the perpetrator, why was Canaan cursed? Exegetes since antiquity have identified Ham's deed as either voyeurism, castration, you may not have known that, or paternal incest. This last explanation seems to be enjoying a revival of popularity in some recent scholarship. They go on to say that this article will argue for a fourth possible explanation of Ham's deed, maternal incest, which simultaneously explains the gravity of Ham's offense and the rationale for the cursing of Canaan, who is the fruit of the illicit union. The full case for this view has never been adequately presented, and it is particularly apropos do so now, given the increasing interest in the theory of paternal incest. That from Bergsma and Walker's article, Noah's Nakedness and the Curse of Canaan. It's the article that Dr. Heiser interacts with on episode 159 of the Naked Bible podcast, Noah's Nakedness, the Sin of Ham, and the Curse of Canaan. I guarantee you've likely never heard this explanation, and it's one of those that when you're done listening to this episode, I'm predicting that you will wholeheartedly agree with the premise and the conclusion, and you will never read Genesis chapter nine the same way again. And that was the case for me. I never really fully understood how we should be reading Genesis chapter nine, that incident, but now I have the confidence From a biblical perspective, nonetheless, that there are things that we have just missed within the biblical text that explains exactly what's going on. Okay, you may have felt like I talked that last one up quite a bit. If you felt that way about the last one, we are heading to number one on my list. It's episode 86. And those of you familiar with the podcast, this is the favorite of many people. So it's not just me. This one, is called The Head Covering of 1 Corinthians eleven thirteen 13-15. It's 58 minutes long, and it also corresponds to a chapter in Reversing Herman. So he took this idea, and it became a chapter in his book. And you might be wondering, what is 1 Corinthians 11, 13-15? Well, for those of you not familiar, here it is. Judge for yourselves. Is it proper for a woman to pray to God with her head uncovered? Does not even nature itself teach you that if a man has long hair, it is a dishonor to him? But if a woman has long hair, it is a glory to her, for her hair is given to her for a covering, 1 Corinthians eleven thirteen through 15. And in this episode, similar to the last example, Dr. Heiser takes somebody else's work. It's a journal article out of the Journal of Biblical Literature again. This time the author is Martin, and here's the title of the journal article that he interacts with. Paul's argument from nature for the veil in 1 Corinthians Eleven Thirteen 13-15, colon, a testicle instead of a head covering. Some of you are thinking, what did he just say? <laughs> And so let me just read the description for this Naked Bible episode from the show notes. The topic for this episode is the controversial head covering reference in 1 Corinthians eleven thirteen 13 through 15. The discussion summarizes the material discussed in a scholarly journal article published in 2004 by Dr. Troy Martin. Martin summarizes his approach as follows, and then he quotes from the article. This article interprets Paul's argument from nature in 1 Corinthians 11:13 13 through 15 against the background of ancient physiology. The Greek and Roman medical texts provide useful information for interpreting not only Paul's letters, but also other New Testament texts. The article and the author's subsequent responses to criticism, also published in academic literature, presents a compelling case and is, to Dr. Heiser's knowledge, the only approach that provides a coherent explanation as to why the head-covering warnings are important. In the words of Paul, because of the angels, 1 Corinthians 11.10, this warning ultimately takes readers back to the incident with the watchers, the sons of God in Genesis 6, 1-4. One of Martin's concluding application thoughts is also important, quoting the article again, since the physiological conceptions of the body have changed, meaning in modern day, however, no physiological reason remains for continuing the practice of covering women's heads in public worship. And many Christian communities reasonably abandon this practice. In other words, Paul's rationale for what he says here is no longer coherent today, but his teaching points are. As such, wearing veils in church or elsewhere is a conscience issue, not a point of doctrine. And then, just in the show notes, he even says the nature of this material is overtly sexual. So this episode is for adult listeners. And the reason this is my number one is because, again, if you think you've ever understood this particular passage about women needing to cover their head, my guess is, unless you've read that particular article, you are in left field. And it's another example of not only Michael Heiser going outside to a journal article and relying heavily on someone else's work, but it's that work that has gone outside the Bible's text to understand more fully what it is that the biblical author may have been believing at the time. I've decided to end today's episode similar to the way it began by reading a little bit of that Facebook post from late January that Michael Heiser shared regarding his impending death. It's that message that ended this way. I know this news is depressing, but you should all know, I will die happy to have served the Lord and you all in the ways I have. God has been very good to us, gifting me in discernible ways, and, I think, just as importantly, given me a heart for the lay community, all of you. I desired nothing more than to empower all of you to study Scripture more deeply, to unlock the Bible for you in ways inaccessible to all but scholars. This brought me a special joy. And since in this podcast we've been talking about rest recently, I'll end this way. Dr. Michael Heiser, may your restful rule with God in the afterlife be fully realized even as we speak.